We're going to go to 1 Peter, continue on in our series through the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2, 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'm thankful for the cross, amen, glory to God. People say, you, you people, you worship the cross. Oh, no, no, no. We worship the one that was willing to go to the cross. You know, so we didn't have to. Amen. What a blessing. What a wonderful blessing. First Peter chapter number 2. Look down to verse number 9. The Bible says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him, who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I've titled a message for tonight. Living right is your responsibility. I think we can see that here, truly. Living right is your responsibility. Let's pray. We'll get started. Heavenly Father, we're very, very thankful that you love us the way that you do and that you have provided us with your word. And we can trust it. And Lord, as we take it and uh, trust it and obey it and apply it to our lives, it will make for, well, just a much better life. Not only for us, but it can affect those around us. And certainly we want to be the very best Christian that we can be. So I pray that you'd take your word tonight and you'd use it in our lives in such a way that when we leave this place tonight, we'll be more determined to live the way you would have us to live. And we'll give you honor and praise for that. For we ask it all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much. And you can... Have you ever been around a Christian that just makes you want to be more of a Christian? And anytime that's the case, we should realize that we're not where we need to be. And truly, it should make us work harder to be what we need to be. We should all want to have that type of testimony that if when we're around someone that it would make them want to be a better Christian or even make them want to be a Christian. And I'm not talking about lifestyle evangelism, but it is right that we live a correct lifestyle. And according to the word here, I think that, that, we, can, that we can prove that. One of the basic differences between a believer and an unbeliever is that one has hope and the other does not. Okay, get, get, get this in. Imagine two friends, two people that are close friends. And uh, they're living the same lifestyle. 
going on about their business day to day, but they really have no hope. And then one of them gets saved. One of them trusts Christ as their Savior. And so now that person has hope. And they want to get saved. They begin to live a different lifestyle. They begin to walk a different walk, talk a different talk. They begin to live differently. So because of that, even though they've been friends for a long time, close friends even, they go different ways. The unbeliever just continues to go down the path that they have always gone down, and the new believer goes a different way. So tell me, which one is going to be under scrutiny? Is the new believer going to begin to uh, scrutinize the life of the unbeliever? Well, no, that doesn't have to happen because they've already lived that life. They know what's going on there. They know how, how the unbeliever is living. They've just left that life and they have a perfect understanding of what's going on with them. It, it's going to be the unbeliever that will begin to scrutinize the life of the believer. Why is that, preacher? Well, because the new believer has left the old life and now is in possession of something that is absolutely different and the unbeliever doesn't understand it. Why? Why are you going that way? Why aren't you doing this anymore? Why? No, no, they just don't. And so the new believer is now being beheld or observed and most certainly scrutinized. Why are you living this way? Because to the unbeliever, the believer has started living very strangely. doing things that they weren't doing, not doing things that they were doing, going places like church that they haven't before. And so in the eyes of the unbeliever, the one that's not saved, they're living a strange lifestyle. So the believer not only has hope that the unbeliever doesn't have, but also has the responsibility, has a responsibility that the unbeliever does not have. Well, what responsibility is that? It's the responsibility to live right. They've made a profession. They know the Lord Jesus Christ. And now they have a responsibility to the unbeliever to live right. You know, something that is totally foreign to a Bible concept is someone that claims to have the hope of glory, and yet it doesn't affect their personal life. It doesn't affect the present lifestyle. That's totally, no, 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 you can't find that in here. You can find it all around us, but you can't find it in here. It's not that way. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm sure you noticed the first two words there in verse number 11. Dearly beloved, there's a great tone here in this charge that Peter is giving, this, this exhortation, this, this admonition. Dearly beloved, um, he's showing his love for those to whom he is writing. He is speaking to believers from a heart of love, care, concern. Come on, this isn't just the old burly fishermen up there just pounding and I tell you you better live right no 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 he is he is he is writing this out of concern 
and love for these people that are going through some really hard, hard things in their life. We do have a responsibility to unbelievers. And we have to remember, just back up just a little bit, we have to remember what we are in this world as believers. We're strangers and we're pilgrims. We're strangers in this world. We're pilgrims. We're just a passing through. We looked at 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 1, and verse number 17 over there. It, it tells us that, that we are pilgrims. Verse number 17 says that we are surgeoning here, uh, surgeoning, sojourning here in fear. Surgeoning, that's a new word. I come up with those every once in a while. We are sojourning in this life. We're, we're, no, no, we're just passing through here. This is not our home. That means that we have trusted Christ as our Savior, and we are just in our temporary residence uh, on this earth, and that our home is somewhere beyond the blue. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. We're not supposed to get real comfortable here while we are here. And I think it, we, we have to think, in this case, we have to think of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who never did settle in Canaan, but they lived in tents. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Uh, but the terms also describe uh, Israel's stay while they were in Egypt, because we know this, we know the Israelites grew in number while they were in Egypt, but they never fit in. No, no, it, it, they, they were wanting to get out of there. In every way, they were strangers in Egypt. And so, so this, is a, this, is a, this is a perfectly good concept throughout our Bible. It, it's hard to get it in our heads at times, but we are not permanent residents here on earth. We, we're still in this world, but we're to be strangers of its way. We're to be different. We're to live different lives. We're to have different purposes. We are to be different. So staying in the context of what we are looking at tonight, it says it this way. We are to abstain from, uh, from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. We're to abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul. Now, hold it, hold it, stay with me here. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't say, it doesn't just say that we're to abstain from, fl- from fleshly lusts. <clears throat> the word fleshly simply pertains to those things that are carnal, those things that are temporal, those things that are human. I mean, and we are still all human. And then the word lust, it, it doesn't always have a sexual connotation to it. The word lust just means desires or passions. And not all human desire is necessarily evil. I mean, food is a fleshly desire. It's not always evil. In fact, it can be very satisfying, can it? We won't go into the big list I got thrown through my mind right now. But food is a fleshly desire. Somebody might have a, uh, somebody might have a fleshly desire for money. I mean, so that they might be able to give more and so that they can provide for their own family. That's not wicked. That's not, that's not evil. The Bible teach us that, teaches us that it's good and healthy for a man to have a fleshly desire and a physical attraction to their wife. There's not anything wrong with that whatsoever. You know, it just makes me so mad at the devil. The devil is such a liar. He is such a liar. 
He wants everyone to believe that if you become a Christian, uh, that uh, all the fun in your life is going to be over and that every fleshly appetite is just sinful. But that's not so. No, no, no. He's a liar, and that is not the case. It's not the case. And, And here's what seems to set people off. This word abstain, that we are to abstain. It, it, it now is almost like it's a, uh, it's almost like it's a dirty word in this self-centered, selfish, me-oriented world in which we live where everybody just wants to do whatever they want to do. However they feel, however they want to act, stay with me here, don't go to sleep. However they want to act, whatever they want to do, whoever they want to be with, it's just, it's just I, you leave me alone, I'll live my life the way I want to. No, no, it's, it's like this word abstain has become a very uh, um, dirty word to this world. But Peter didn't just say to abstain from fleshly lust, period. That's not what he said. He said to abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Whole different context there. I mean, completely different context. We're talking about something completely different. If you're only wanting money to hoard it for yourself, that's greed. And greed is just an enemy of the soul. We're not supposed to be greedy in that way. For someone to be physically attracted to someone that is not their husband or someone that is not their wife is lust in the evil sense of the word and is an enemy of the soul. And it's an enemy of the inner life. And it should not be so. And the same is very true without going down a long list. The same is very true about fornication and adultery and pornography and homosexuality. And we could go on with a big list right there. Absolutely so. Um, Not all entertainment is wicked. But the beat and the message of Rock music and rap music and certainly some country music can definitely be be the enemy of your soul. It can draw you away from the things of God. It can keep you from seeing things the way that you should see that. And then we think about Hollywood violence and Hollywood passion and their their so-called form of humor in Hollywood. It's all very contrary to what God would have for us and is the enemy of the soul. The reason that things have permeated into the church, I'm not necessarily talking about our church, but have permeated, permeated into the church, and it seemed like the world is seeping in, is because we, seem, we, we, have, we, we are surrounded by this world, and by its entertainment, and by all the things that it feeds us on a regular basis. And I'm telling you, you can get fed that stuff even walking through some place that's playing music that shouldn't be. You can get fed that stuff just by listening to conversations of others in the world. You can get fed those things just simply by watching television commercials these days. Are y'all still with me? You get fed these things. And if we're not careful, it conditions us and it conditions our thinking into where we get to thinking that this isn't so bad and that isn't so bad and we're just fine with this and just fine with that and pretty soon it's not bad to do this and it's not bad to do that. 
we have to be very, very careful and realize that we have some enemies of our soul. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And really, you can take that list of horrible things right there and you can pretty much apply it to everything that's plastered all over this world and we're being fed those things and many times we're being fed those things subconsciously subconsciously we have to be very very careful and realize that these things war against the soul they war against the soul our young people i I, i'm so fearful for our young people because of these very things like that and things that get into their mind and 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 we have to be very careful and realize that these things can keep us from thinking the way that god would have us to think and they're enemies so let's keep this in its context as a believer We have been given hope. We've been given hope. We know that. But we've also been given a responsibility. We've been given a responsibility. What's that, preacher? To live right. We've been given given hope by the new birth in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been given responsibility to live right. And whether you like it or not, your life is under scrutiny. And because of that, we, ter- we are to abstain from fleshly lust. Get, get, you know, stay with me. We are to abstain from fleshly lust that oppose men's souls. It's going to affect your testimony. And if you talk to very many people at all about the Lord, you're going to hear it along the way. Well, I ain't going to church. Oh, so-and-so, they say they're a Christian, but man, they live like the devil. You hear it. So Peter says here, in verse number 12, the very first part of verse He says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Stay with me. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. uh, 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 Amongst those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Have an honest conversation amongst those that are not believers. Now this 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 is much more than just speaking the truth to others. It's not talking about conversation that way. Uh, this word conversation, it's speaking of conduct. It's speaking of the way we live. It's, it's talking about our day-to-day walk, the life, the life in which we live in front of others. It's talking about the life that we're supposed to live in front of others. Um, having your conversation, your day-to-day walk, honest among the Gentiles. That word honest just means honorable or good or, or beautiful or lovely or fine or attractive or, or winsome. So Peter is saying here that as visitors here on this earth, we have a responsibility to those that do not believe. And that responsibility is to abstain from lust that war against our soul. It's to show others what God can do by living a right life. 
No, no. This is something we have to practice. This is something we have to determine to do. This is something we have to make up our mind to do and walk that way and decide we're going to live that way because if we do not abstain, if we do not, if we do not show them what God can do by living a right life, it really won't matter how much we're talking to them. If you profess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your life is an, ad, uh, your life is an advertisement for and about Christianity. Oh, absolutely. That's a fact whether you like it or not. It truly is. And that's why it's so important that we have our walk with God. That's why it's so important that we prepare ourselves before we go out to our day-to-day routine and responsibility. That's why it's so important that we have the Word of God hidden in our heart. That's why it's so important that we live according to the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, it really doesn't matter if we even wore a sign sign around our neck that said, I am a Christian. It, It doesn't matter what that says if we are not living the life. And that is not just not smoking and drinking and cussing, which none of us should be doing, absolutely so. But that is having a Christ-like spirit. That is having a Christ-like attitude. That is having a Christ-like walk in everything we do every day. And if anger overcomes us or envy overcomes us or jealousy overcomes us, no, no, and the list could go on about that. Dishonesty overcomes us. If If those things are overcoming us, We are not being a very good advertisement for Christianity, are we? No, we're not. We're not. By the way that we live our life day to day, we commend Christianity to those around us or we cause them to think less about it. It's absolutely a fact. Sure. But there is a desired end. It says, verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, goes on, that where is they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Where is they speak against you as evildoers? Back during this time, he's trying to encourage these folks, because back during this time, Horrible rumors were running rampant regarding Christians. I mean, people were talking bad about this bunch. It was said back then that, that when they had their communion, their communion involved cannibalism. It was, you know, it was rumors that would go on about these things. Their agape feasts that they had were filled with immorality. I'm talking about rumors that, that they were that their their feasts were just filled with immorality. They were accused of uh, they were accused of tearing down trade. They were accused of tearing down industry because of their opposition of idol worship. So these these people that built these idols, they couldn't sell them the way they used to because so many people were being converted that it messed up their industry. And so they were, they were railed on about that, uh, that their commitment to Christ, that, that divided households meant that Christians were against the family unit because, I mean, it was separating families because some were still steeped in Judaism and the others were going the way that Christ would have them to go. And, and, and even, they, even, they even said of them that, 
slaves were turned against their masters because Christ gave those slaves dignity and self-worth. I mean, whatever they could do to try to slander them and make them sound bad, they were going through that time. They, they were being evil spoke of. Uh, this, 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 these accusations, this slander was flung at Christians, and I'm telling you, it is still that way today. It's still that way today. It's said that we are, uh, it's said at times that we uh, just want to act holier than now because we abstain from certain things. You just think you're better than everybody. You just think you're holier than now. It's said that we're hate mongers because we take a stand, the anti-Solomite stand, that you're just hate mongers. You just hate people. It's said that we're against freedom of choice because we're anti-abortion. We believe that life is precious. It says that we stand against industry because we're against gambling and booze and the lottery and a host of other things in which we should not be involved. That we are money mongers because we raise money to build buildings and buy property. We raise money to send missionaries and start churches. And that list goes on and on. All you care about is money. Oh, no, no. We're talked about, aren't we? It's true. Absolutely. Well, preacher, what are we supposed to do? What What are we supposed to do? Well, he goes on here. Whereas they speak against you as evildoers. They may by your good works, which they shall behold. Peter was being pretty optimistic there, wasn't he? Glorify God in the day of visitation. What are we supposed to do, preacher? Look up here, I'll tell you. Look up here. Do right. No, no, no matter what anybody else was doing, no matter how anybody else is acting, no matter what they do, you do right. You live right. You do the right thing. You live for God. You be what God would have you to do. There was a time that someone came to Plato and they told him that a man was spreading nasty rumors about him, wanted to know what Plato was going to do about it. What are you going to do about this? To which, uh, to which Plato replied, I will live in such a way that no one will believe what he says. That's pretty good counsel. You know, I love it when an unbeliever gets converted. An unbeliever that has even stood against me personally or our church, what we believe in. I love it when an unbeliever gets converted and all of a sudden they see righteousness oh come on I mean all of a sudden it's like man y'all are right this is the way we should live these are things we need to get out of our lives man I love it because only God can do that And so no matter how everybody else lives, we have a responsibility to live the way that God would have us to live. To do right, no matter what. To keep doing right. Live right, walk right, talk right, act right, respond right. 
do right. Because it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. Well, what do you think the result will be? Well, it says right there that they may uh, by your good works, which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. <clears throat> you know, when God begins to deal with an unbeliever, someone that's lost, when God in his uh, infinite mercy begins to draw them to himself, remember that time? Oh, go on, remember that time? When he, when he in his wonderful mercy and grace begins to draw the unbeliever to himself, when God passes their way, I love it, when God passes their way, just like he did Zacchaeus and countless others, When God draws them, gives them a chance, and they repent, they will believe, and they, look up here, they will glorify God. <clears throat> when somebody gets saved by the grace of God, and they begin to walk a different way, even, come on, even as I talked about an unbeliever and a believer, or there's two unbelievers, and they're walking the same way, and one of them gets saved and begins to walk a different way. I'm telling you, it honors God. It glorifies God. I've said so many times to God, Lord, I just want to be real. I just want to be real. I know I have my shortcomings. I know I have my problems. I'm glad my wife's not here. She'd stand up and testify. I guarantee you. I have my own problems, but I want to be real. And I want to show people the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is the hope of glory. I mean, He is the answer. Christ is the answer. This is the end. Living, living, living right is our responsibility because this should be the end that, that others may believe. So that, that listen to me, please. I, I, when you hear the word abstain, well, well, preachers always after us. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. We ought to change the way we think, change the way we walk, change the way we dress, change the way we go, change our entertainment, change the way we act, change the way we treat other people. We just have to abstain from all these things. Oh no, when you hear the word abstain, don't get all bristled up and want to fight and declare that you have spiritual liberty and rights. No, 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 no. Your, your liberty and rights are not the issue here. That's not what it's about. No, that, 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 that we might turn unbelievers to God and hope through Christ. That's the issue, and that's much bigger than you and me. So much bigger than you and me. And so many people have been soured. I know I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. So many people have been soured down through the ages because those that profess Christ don't live like it. And it should not be said of us that we have turned someone away from wanting Christianity because of the way we live our life. No. 
So let me ask you this, and I'm done. When those around you look at your life, what do they see? Because it is our responsibility to show them Jesus. Again, I'm not talking about just lifestyle evangelism. We need to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not going to do a lot of good if we're not living it first. It is our responsibility to live right. According to this book. Definitely so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how pointed it is. We're thankful that you not only saved our soul, but you gave us your precious Holy Spirit. That you've given us victory already. We that have trusted Christ, you've given us victory by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I know that certainly we, um, we are just but, but flesh. And if we're going to win this battle, we're going to have to put some effort into it. So God help us, Lord, to be honest with you and honest with ourselves. Help us to examine our life, to ask ourselves when people look at me, do they see a Christ-likeness? Lord, and if not, help us to trust you more, to um, work harder at just surrendering to you, yielding to you, and being what you'd have us to be. Bless, Lord, this invitation time. We trust you will, that your will might be done is our prayer, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Piano's going to play. Many have already made their way to the altar. You need to come tonight. Why don't you? Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let him have his way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you again.